This is Lending on Call. And by and large, what users today are choosing um, when they are making their choices and products are not the products that have the longest feature sheet. They are choosing the products that make things as intuitive, as easy, as beautiful as they can be, and that, that actually delight them to use. This is David Zweifler with Lending on Call. In the first of our two-part podcast on fintech innovation with Greg Loker, who leads architecture, strategy, and technology innovation for DNH, we discuss innovation at Greg's company. According to Greg, innovation isn't about invention. Rather, it's about looking at all the good ideas that are in the marketplace and bringing together the right ones to create a product that both delights clients and anticipates what they're going to need rather than what they want right now. Greg also talks about bridging the gap between innovation and commercialization, and then finally, revolutionization, specifically how they apply to two new products that were just introduced by DNH, Barometer, and the newly launched Total Lending, which he expects will revolutionize lending for banks and credit unions in 2017. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. You're in charge of strategy and technology innovation at DNH. Why don't we start by you telling us how you've worked to establish best practices around both at the firm? Um, well, so I think the first and, and most important thing is there's been a, a tremendous amount of anthem are paid um, to just even talking about user experience um, as a first step. Um, so when certainly when I joined the organization a couple years ago, um, th- there was, I'd say, a, an extremely low level of familiarity with what user experience even meant. And, um, and now a couple of years in, you're hearing a very different tune. I, uh, you know, my, my hope is I haven't spoken to every product manager in the organization, but my hope is, is that every product manager is, is actively thinking um, relative to our products, what the user experience is um, and, and how do we make it better or how do we make it the best it possibly can be. Um, it starts with the product managers, but uh, I, I think by the time we're done, it's going to be something that, that every, every member of the organization has top of mind. Um, because I, I do think that as an organization, we've realized that, that, um, you know, that, that whole innovation is obvious in, in retrospect. Well, um, that is true, but who will decide <laughs> what worked and what didn't work is the users. And by and large, what users today are choosing um, when they are making their choices and products are not the products that have the longest feature sheet. They are choosing the products that make things as intuitive, as easy, as beautiful as they can be, and that that actually delight them to use. So, so everyone is thinking about it, and, and then of course we're we're putting some uh, we're early stages on on putting some um, some structure around how we understand those users a little bit more formally um, to to more effectively take um, the the user needs and desires and and convert them into f- fantastic software. Now, there's a lot of um, famous examples of companies that have produced tremendous innovation. I'm thinking, you know, Xerox uh, inventing the mouse and then not really knowing what to do with it, Uh, you know, subsequently having it basically stolen by Steve Jobs and and letting him steal it because they really, you know, didn't know how to commercialize it. 
how uh, have has DNH started to bridge the the chasm between innovation and and actually applying it to a product? Uh, we definitely have, um, and it you know the one thing I'll say I uh, at least when I when I define the word innovation, you know, looking at the Xerox example, to me that that's not that's not a meaningful innovation. Um, you know what what Xerox did was more like invention and a very important one and a, and a powerful one that, that certainly revolutionized the, the computing industry. But what made it innovative and interesting is, is, uh, is when Apple took it and, and popularized it, right? Um, and Apple certainly has a long history of, of doing that. Uh, like if you look at the iPod as an example, Apple was certainly not the first company in the market with a digital uh, music file player. Um, but they they sure were the ones that made it cool, that that really turned it into a market and a multi billion dollar industry, and um, so so it's not just about having great ideas. Anybody can have great ideas, um, and great ideas you know are really really hard to to set up a program and try to institutionalize. What um, what is easier? It's not easy either, but what is certainly easier than coming up with the next great idea is looking at all the other great ideas that are out there in the world and uh, sort of curating them down into you know if we take this combination of things and combine that together with our industry expertise, we could do something really special. Um, and to me, that's the kind of innovation that DNH is primarily looking for. Um, we're not out here to invent the next great technology. What we're out here to do is to take the best that, that is available in this, this uh, modern open world where, where knowledge sharing is, is uh, a big part of our day-to-day -day lives, pick the pieces that are most relevant in order to create really impactful and potentially even business changing solutions for our clients. And, and we have started doing that in, in some very subtle ways um, so far, but, uh, but more and more, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, the mobile lending as an example. So just that, at, you know, in 2017, it might not seem revolutionary um, to be to have a mobile mortgage uh, application process or anything like that. But the reality is that hasn't existed in this market before. So the the technology is old. If I'm talking to a developer, they might not think that's particularly revolutionary. But the reality is to apply that in a way that still meets compliance and regulation and, and creates positive user experience is an innovation and it, it does help us get out in front of the market. Barometer, Total Lending, recent uh, product announcements, uh, products that have been rolled out. Is the fingerprint of any of what you were just talking about, can we see it on those on those products? Um, yeah, so not necessarily the same things across the same products. Um, you know, so again, we're curating even among the, the technologies and, and the techniques that we're using um, from product to product. Uh, our approach when it comes to barometer and total lending especially have a lot in common. Um, and so they, they both do, uh, uh, have taken a very heavy focus on user experience and applied some user experience engineering practices in order to determine you know, how the product's going to work, how the interactions um, are, are mapped out and how they end up appearing on the screen. Um, you know, the, the 
the um, the, or the total lending platform, as an example, uses uh, uses some of the same technology behind the scenes as as what has enabled uh, mobile application in the mortgage space uh, in the past. So we're seeing a lot of transition, and and then the other thing that um, that both Barometer and Total Lending are leveraging is uh, Microsoft Azure Platform as a Service, um, which again, Microsoft Azure Platform as a Service is a technology that's been around, um, but is maturing, and what is really, really revolutionary and innovative in our space is um, we're just now coming into the time that financial services are starting to look and starting to explore um, things like Azure and Amazon and, and uh, some of the big cloud hosting providers. Um, we're, we've kind of skipped that step of looking at them as just a hosting provider and have looked at leveraging the Azure ecosystem, um, which really allows us to much more quickly add capabilities to the product um, without spending nearly as much time or money on investing in the underlying infrastructure, the behind-the-scenes stuff that, that, frankly, our customers don't really care about anyway. Uh, that sounds like it's going to make life a lot easier for us. How does that? Uh, how does that impact our customers? Well, I think it's going to make life easier for us, and I think it's going to make life easier for them uh, as well. Um, I think that uh, you know one thing that's fairly obvious uh, for the technology community anyway are, are just things like uptime. Um, so uh, I, I think that you know we're living in a world where the average user. Um, you know, when we when we go and type in a web address for any of us that actually still type in web addresses, um, we type in a web address. We have an expectation that in less than a second we're looking at the the web page fully loaded, etc. Um, that is even more true when the the page that you're going to or what you're trying to do is a mission critical uh, piece of software that's actually going to help you close a mortgage. Um, uh, agreement or something like that, right? That they, they just have to work all the time. And uh, the reality is, you know, we've hosted many of the solutions ourselves uh, for many years, and we do a pretty good job at that. Um, but if you look at the scale um, that Microsoft brings to bear, as an example, um, they, they invest probably more in, uh, in data backups than we spend in our entire hosting operations uh, facility. Um, and that's just one small piece of the overall. Um, and really what that means is it means that, you know, we really don't have to worry about uh, servers going down or life cycle or, or maintaining a lot of the hardware, um, which, is, which is heavy lifting that nobody ever sees um, until, of course, it breaks and it goes down. And then, of, of course, our clients feel it in, in a significant way. So that's, that's a part of the Azure value prop. But the second one, the one that I think will be most impactful for our clients, that, that comment I made about it allowing us to move faster. Um, so in many of our products, one of the challenges, and this has been a challenge in software, whether it was installed at our client's site or installed on their desktop or whether we host it ourselves or they host it for many, many years, this is not a new challenge. And that is, at a certain point in a product lifecycle, that next thing you want to do, you find some part of, of the product that you have now um, is, is holding you back. And it's holding you back in a very, very significant way. And it's going to cost, 
you know, a lot of time and or a lot of money in order to clear that hurdle so you can take it to the next step. And frankly, when a lot of products reach that point, the default answer is, well, we're going to have to rewrite and we're going to have to take a step back. And, and you know, usually rewriting is a mistake. Um, and, uh, um, you know, the, the best example is Netscape. Uh, for those of you that, that actually remember Netscape, um, the, the overall consensus is, is that they lost the browser war when they reached that point and they decided to rewrite because in the time it takes you to rewrite, your competitors move eight steps ahead. Um, and so all of that ties back to Azure in the sense that as we're building on Azure, we're building on a platform that is actually constantly evolving. It's no longer about we're going to hit uh, you know, that big milestone two years down the road and we're going to have to rewrite because we're sort of rewriting it every three to six months. Um, the, the platform is ever evolving. It's ever changing. Certainly sometimes there's a little bit of work, but it's a little bit over, over the life cycle versus that one big, huge decision point. And um, so, so we'll be able to keep things fresh very easily. And, uh, and again, just on even just what the next feature is. What the next feature will not be, uh, you know, a three-year uh, project or even a two-year project or even a one-year project. That next feature, it is entirely possible when you're using these things really well to be a month away or to be two weeks away uh, even. So we'll be able to deliver incremental value to our clients through these platforms at a pace unlike anything they've ever seen, not just from us, but frankly from, from any of their other financial uh, software partners either. I'm Dave Zweifler, and today I've been speaking with Greg Loker, who leads architecture strategy and technology innovation for DNH in the first of a two-part podcast discussing innovation in fintech. Lending on Call is brought to you by DNH, a leading financial technology provider that the world's financial institutions rely on every day to help them grow and succeed. Lending on Call provides insights from senior lenders at America's best managed financial institutions and their partners. If you'd like to learn more about the products discussed in this broadcast, click on the links below. And stand by for part two of this podcast, where Greg discusses the antagonistic relationship between compliance-led and innovation-led cultures, how it's holding back many financial firms, and which firms are avoiding the innovation pitfalls in the banking space. This is Lending on Call.